millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Just imagine you're out there in the dark on the edge of Bear Lake, and the lightning's flashing around you, and the wind's blowing, and the waves are getting bigger and bigger. And now you see something coming out of the darkness, right toward you, bouncing across the top of the waves. And of course, I had no idea what it was. It was dark. It ended up hitting the beach right at my feet, and it turned out to be a giant inflatable turtle. Hello, Beyonders. You found your way once again to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast, your home for the strange, the macabre, the conspiratorial, and the all-around supernatural. I'm your host, Dan Martson, recording just down the road from where Robert Johnson made his deal with the devil. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Lee Aaron. Lee? Hi, guys. I'm coming to you once again from the Bell Witch's Backyard inside the Haunted Barn Studios, and we have a third guest today. Well, I mean, I guess he's a guest. Um, his name is Matthew Havertz. Matthew, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I wish that I, I wish I came up with something clever of where I'm from. <laughs> I guess I'm close to uh, where the uh, Bear Lake monster is from. Oh, and that leads yes, us into... That's that's my old stomping grounds south of the moon on the banks of the beautiful Snake River. <laughs> so, Matthew, I hear that you we're we're talking about the Bear Lake monster today. Yep. Um and I hear that you have some expertise in that. Can you tell me more? Yeah, so um I so I I love folklore. I love um legends. I love the what you guys are doing with the podcast and bringing light to some of these stories, especially some of these local stories and um, so I grew up um, in an area in Utah uh, called Kaysville, and there's this big stone um, cross that was erected sometime in the past, and there's all these local stories around it, and I think that's really what got me into folklore. And so last year, I produced a documentary about a different piece of folklore um, about the Bear Lake Monster, but it kind of just stems from this interest that I've had. Um, so there's this uh, local legend, and I don't know if you want to give, have me give uh, some of the background of what it is, um, but uh, it's a lake monster that's uh, at a lake on the border of Utah and Idaho called Bear Lake, and it's a lake that actually gets hundreds of thousands of visitors um, each year during the summer season. So 
Um, and I don't know, the Bear Lake monster is a fun part of the culture there. And um, there's, it's hotly debated whether uh, this lake monster exists or not. But there's a lot of people who have said that they've seen something. So, Matthew, the title of the documentary, it's In Search of the Bear Lake Monster, correct? Yeah. Yep. All and right, cool. Um, I watched it on Amazon Prime, um, but there's also uh, on YouTube, you can find it? Yep, yep. And you can, yeah, the Amazon Prime is kind of an extended uh, version or a, uh, like the full version that has all the uh, reenactments of, or... Uh, like voice actor portrayals of eyewitness accounts, um, plus a few extra pieces from some of the interviews that we did. And then YouTube is a shorter version um, that's kind of the bare bones, but it's still pretty lengthy. It's uh, for YouTube. It goes into a lot of the details. So, well, well, of course, I think the extended cut is where it's at. You always got to <laughs> go for the extended cut. Well, <laughs> thank you. There's there's a lot there's uh, there's a lot of bonus stuff there. It's fun. Excellent, excellent. So, um, how or yeah, how did you put this uh, documentary? How did it all come together? Yeah, that that was really fun. So I mostly so I have a business um, where I do video production, and I mostly do promotional videos or educational videos or like training videos. Like I've done employee training videos and stuff like that. And I just thought in the summer of last year. Um, man, I want to do a video that I would be really interested in. And like I said, I was super interested in folklore. And ever since I moved up to Logan, um, which is um, near Bear Lake, it's um, on the um, south of Bear Lake in Utah, um, I thought, man, this Bear Lake monster thing, there's something to this. And so to make a long story short, I basically started calling up businesses in the area and asked if anybody would be willing to partner with me or, you know, sponsor the documentary. And I got some businesses showing interest and then we did a crowdfunding campaign. So I raised money that way. And then, um, being in the video production industry, I had contacts of people to reach out to, to help me out. So I was able to pay a few people to help with odd ends here and there, but I did most of it. And uh, yeah, kind of went from there. So if you want more details, feel free to ask more questions, but that's kind of the long story short. No, that was really cool. Um, I like you guys displayed some of the, for some of the monster merch that they had at like the KOA <laughs> down there. Yeah. 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 And, and Kate, so you know, what's so funny too, is that I actually just got, um, an email today from one of the businesses that helped to, um, sponsor the project. And they're like, hey, could you get us some of the artwork that you used on the documentary? Because we want to make our own T-shirt. So there's even, it just keeps coming. The merchandise keeps coming. And um, yeah, I'm excited. I hope that more videos like this will be, and I could tease to, I had someone email me today about potentially doing more videos like this. And so I hope that it pans out, that there's um, a few people interested in investing in a future hopefully series of videos like this but yeah it's so there's it, it was fun there's a lot of a lot of people interested in it nice now me me and lee love these local stories so it's cool that it's uh working out for those businesses and i think uh people should definitely take their time and look at the credits when they watch your show uh to see the people who are into it um but let's let's uh 
get away from the behind the scenes stuff. Let's get into the meat of the story here. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like the history of the Bear Lake monster? Yeah. So, um, and, and this is something. This really starts in a place that I, I was clueless on. So. Like I said, I moved up to the area, and so I had actually, I grew up in Utah, and I had never been to Bear Lake, um, which is unusual for a Utahan, I think. All my friends had been to Bear Lake, and I don't know, it's something that my family, I guess, we just never had been. Yeah, Um, unless you grew up in, like, St. George or something. Yeah, yeah, and then in St. George, you go to, like, Lake Powell, which is the other, like, most famous lake, probably, and... But, um, yeah, so, and, and I'd never been, and um, so my wife's family, though, they take a vacation there um, every year. They go camping over by Bear Lake. So when we started dating um, back in 2014, that was the first time I went to Bear Lake, and I noticed um, that they had, like, Bear Lake iconography all over the place, like, um some of the maps in the area had like like teased to this monster that was supposedly in the lake, and um, there was uh, um, like stores that had stuff, and I kind of feature a lot of it in the documentary. And I was like, "What is the story about the Bear Lake monster?" Um, and and so I did some research, and um, I started with Utah State University, where. I'm at right now in Logan has a whole folklore program with um, archives that I dove into and um, read about. And I came to find out that Bear Lake monster sightings allegedly went back to the native people in the area, the Shoshone tribe. Um, Although the evidence of that is a little bit questionable, but there, but there are reports of, white settlers saying, hey, the native people told me this story. There's, the, um, and, and I actually contacted the, the Shoshone tribe um, today, like the, the northwestern band of Shoshone, and they told me, they, no one wanted to be interviewed, but they told me that the older people in the tribe did have stories of some kind of monster in the lake. So, it, so it, it, historians kind of, like local historians here, kind of argue whether there really were native stories or not, but there definitely are reports of native stories. So that's kind of where it starts. Um, but the first actual reported sightings, like written down somewhere, are in newspaper articles in the 1800s. Um, and the stories kind of took off from there. Um, but what I found the, what that was most intriguing while doing all this is that I had people contacting me telling me that they had seen something strange in the lake, like a serpent like creature or like some humps coming out of the water, even within the last few years. Um, and so that that really gave me pause, and I'm like, maybe this is more than just stories. Maybe people are really seeing something, and I, I don't know. I don't know what they're seeing. I do think that there are things in the lake that we don't know. I think there's undiscovered species, um, and I can tell you why I think that. You, you could watch the documentary and find out, but um, yeah, I think that kind of gives a backbone at least to the stories uh, and the history very cool. Um, so yeah, I was watching the documentary and I, I loved, um, the, 
like the uniqueness of the lake uh it actually has its own unique species like four unique species yeah um that's yeah, crazy it, i think the science behind it is actually almost as fascinating as the story and, and there's no with those species there's um so they call them endemic species when it's a species that's unique to that lake and that really points to how old the lake is. Um, the most recent literature from um, geologists and um, people who study the lake um, think that the lake could be millions of years old, going back before the last ice age. Um, and the endemic species, those four endemic species, also is an indicator of how old the lake is because a lake wouldn't have unique species unless the species had enough time to you know evolve over time um and so it has to be old enough to be able to to have unique species and not even the great lakes you know in the in the michigan area um have that many um endemic species so bear lake really is one of the oldest lakes in north america um it's pretty small compared to a lot of other lakes but it's old so Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think one of the geologists on there said something about, like, one of the 50 oldest lakes on Earth. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's their, yeah, their um, estimates. They, yeah. they, know, they know for sure, sorry, and I hope, tell me if I'm cutting, if I'm <laughs> no, giving go you for too it. much information. I find the science but, stuff fascinating. I'm all for it. They know for sure that the lake is at least 250,000 years old because they've done um, coring in the lake where they've taken um, samples of the bedrock at the very bottom of the lake and they can see the layers of the lake going down. And, and based on fault movement and, and the geology of the area, that's where they get the estimates of it being even, you know, maybe millions of years old. So. Really cool. Um Going back all the way to, like, ancient Lake Bonneville, um, the, just the whole, uh, you know, aquatic yeah. history of the Intermountain West and the Great Basin. Um, really cool stuff. Yeah. Lee, uh, you, got a, you got any Lake Bonneville stories? You ever go to Salt Lake City and check out the, the old <laughs> lake shore on the mountains? Actually, no. I never went down to Salt Lake City very often unless I was doing something specific. Um my most of my time was spent up near Lake Coeur d'Alene and stuff like that, and that's another lake that there, there's just it's beautiful in that area. So yeah, yeah. Well, if you go down to Salt Lake City, um, the University of Utah has a natural history museum, and their displays are excellent, and they actually can point out uh, where the ancient shore of Lake Bonneville was in the valley. Um, it's really cool to check really? out. Uh, Missoula, Montana, same way. You can go down there and check out. There's a glacial lake in that valley. Um, hmm. So, yeah, people people don't think about, like, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 years ago, ice ages passed eons ago. Um, mm-hmm. It was completely different, not the Wait, desert it is today. We may all be swimming then. <laughs> We'd all be underwater. Yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I'm about underwater here. We've had some flooding in this area, so uh, we're lucky. It's getting lucky. pretty we're in a high good for spot. us, too. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, so we've talked about the history of this, um, about the newspaper reports that came out in the 1800s and how these sightings kept going to the modern day. Uh, can you tell us a little bit 
um, about some of the sightings. What what are people seeing? Yeah, so um, I, I think, it, you know, it's interesting when... Uh, okay, so I'll be honest. I think some of the sightings um, are made up. Um, and I'm just going to say that from doing the research and... Um, looking at, at all the documentations, and I know that some of them are because some people came back later and said, "Hey, the, this the, the story that I told was a hoax. I didn't really see anything." Um, but I think that um, there are a lot that are legitimate. They're seeing something that they can't explain. Um, I think um, some of the most notable ones. There's a man named Brian Hershey in 2002 that had an interesting sighting that he gave tours. Um, around the lake and then one day he was out on the lake um, I guess apparently by himself on his boat and saw something and then um, my uncle actually um, he's featured in the documentary and I had no idea he had a story about a monster but he was out um, on the lake his name's Mike Havertz um, he reached out to me when he found out that I was doing this and, and it's kind of a story he was hesitant to tell a lot of people and, and he kind of blamed it on um, uh, um, a, a, fun, a phenomena called um, lake turnover um, but I interviewed some of the scientists um, that I interviewed in the documentary and they said no I don't think what he saw was lake turnover it probably wouldn't have done that but he saw um, these humps in the middle of the night these dark kind of humps coming out of the water and it, he, he said it, it caused waves that almost knocked over the canoe that he was in um, and he was with oh friends. It, yeah. And and um, so there were other people, I think he said like three other guys that he was with um, that saw the same thing with him. Um, and then um, most recently, I think it's 2018, um, a man named Brent Brunson and his daughter saw humps as well in the middle of the day. And there's two witnesses to that story as well. Both of them talked to me and emailed me. And um, I interviewed Brent um, for the project and his interviews in there. And um, he saw some something that he couldn't explain either. And um, it's, it's, it is, it, I don't know what they're seeing. I, I really don't. And I don't, I can't explain it. And I haven't seen what they've seen. But I, I feel like I talked to them long enough to feel like their some of their witnesses like were sincere like they're I don't know what they're seeing I don't think they know what they're seeing but they're seeing something that they can't explain um, but again I, I think other people see things that are made up and or, or they're trying to make up a story because they're trying to get attention um, and, I, and I feel like with any kind of legend that happens people make up stories too so um, yeah I don't that's know that's awesome I don't know. I don't know what they're seeing. It, I, I think that's what, what can. I, I don't know. I think they're sincere, but I don't know what it is. We'll be right back after this quick break. Good evening, ma'am. Hey, y'all. What can I do you for? Can I have a glass of Chardonnay? I'm sorry, darling. We don't serve that here. Any Merlot? I'm pretty sure you don't want these feet going nowhere near them grapes. Alrighty, how about a craft beer? Oh yeah, we got plenty of craft beer. Which one you want? No, not craft beer. Craft beer. Oh, no, hell no. I'm, I'm pretty sure the bar down the street serves that. Okay, well what do you serve? I'm glad you asked. 
Welcome to the Backwoods Barcast. We serve up moonshine, cheap beer, bottom shelf liquor, and stories even harder to swallow. Join Nick and Brittany and the janitor Stephen as we discuss southeastern mysteries and mayhem, including but not limited to UFOs, true crime, the paranormal, and much more. So knock four times, grab a stool, let the bar talk commence, and as always, drink more beer. Yeah, you know, I was watching the documentary and I took, I was taking notes. I knew we were going to be talking to you. And when I saw Mike's interview come up, I was like, oh, this guy must be related to Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's really interesting to hear that he reached out to you and had this story that he had never told before. That's really cool. Um, and then I thought Brent's interview was great. And Matthew, with your permission, uh, let's check out a clip. And on August the 9th, 2018, we were out in the lake. Uh, it was mid-afternoon, probably, and we were not close to the shore at all. We were way out in the middle of the lake on the Utah side, and there wasn't any traffic. Probably There wasn't a boat within probably two miles of us. My son had fallen, and we had stopped the boat. I was driving the boat. My daughter-in-law was there. My adult uh, daughter was there. And then I had uh, four grandchildren on the boat with me. But my son, my adult son was out on a wakeboard. He had stopped, he had fallen. And so we were sitting still in the water. And basically, uh, we were just sitting there and I'm sitting at the driver's seat. And I looked out in front of the boat about, oh, probably 30, maybe 30 yards. And I saw a big wave, a white cap. And I thought to myself, what in the world would cause a wave when there's no boat traffic or anything like that? And then immediately after that, I watched something come out of the water the first time. And I would say, Matt, I'm just guessing, but I would, this whole experience probably lasted maybe 20 seconds, 20 or 30 seconds. I wish I'd had the clarity of mind of grabbing my iPhone and taking a picture or a video. But of course, I was so shocked. Above the weight, probably I saw four to five feet of this animal, and my first thought was, "There's this is salt, this is fresh water," and I'm I grew up, you know, on the coast, uh, Gulf of Mexico coast, and I said, "There's no whales in that shouldn't be a whale in this lake," but I saw this uh, whatever it was come out of the water, go down in the water, come up again. This the, it did did it three times. The second the second time that it came out, my daughter said, dad, look, what is that? So anyway, this thing comes up, goes down. Now there wasn't, this thing was black. There was no scales. It looked shiny like a tortoise or maybe like a shark or a tortoise. But, but this thing had to be probably at least 40 feet long. I didn't see any, uh, it just went up, up went down, went up and down, did this three times. And we were totally shocked. My my grandkids and my daughter-in-law, they were facing the other direction. They were sitting in the front of the boat, uh, looking back the other direction. But my, my daughter and I both saw this. And uh, immediately what I did, when, when this thing went back down in the water the third time, I said, well, I'm going to try to get closer. So I started the boat up. I said, Lance, let go of the rope. 
And so I ran that direction and of course that was the end of it, you know, but basically we can't, we basically can't, um, we can't describe what we saw other than when I turned the boat in that afternoon, I asked the guy at the Marina, I said, uh, Hey, tell me something. I said, I saw something today on the lake. I can't explain. And, uh, the guy was real nice. He, he said, uh, well, tell me what you saw. And I told him what I saw. And he said, look on the wall. And so I looked on the wall and there was uh, a, a newspaper article. And I don't remember, Matt, it's still there. You could go to that Marina and look. But they said in 2013, there was a sighting. And he said, you saw the Bear Lake monster is what he basically said. And I didn't even, I've never heard of a Bear Lake monster. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, this is a great story. And I think what's uh, so great about Brent's story is uh, it's very descriptive. He definitely can tell that uh, it's not like a, a school of fish. Uh, he has some experience on the water, clearly. Uh, it's corroborated by his daughter. This is such a big deal that there's a second witness. Um, Corroboration is key. It really yeah. is. Uh, her statements in there. So I think this is a great story. Um, one of the other really good stories, Matthew, uh, was Ross Walker's story about the blurry photo he took. Yeah. Um, I don't, <laughs> you don't know, uh, but we're part of a <laughs> podcast network called Fourth Hand Media. And one of the big shows in our network is called Blurry Photos. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and. <laughs> I think I think those guys would love Ross's story, and I think our listeners would too. They should definitely go check out Matthew's documentary because I really can't do it justice. You have to hear it from Ross himself. So, so what? So what you need to do is when you go to the documentary on YouTube, um, and, and you just search like Bear Lake Monster or In Search of the Bear Lake Monster, and it should come up. But if you open up the description and scroll down to the bottom. I have a little page that says other links and resources. And then the first link at that bottom section is local photographers um, photos. So you can check out um, the photos for yourself if you want to. But um, yeah, so Ross was um, uh, out on the lake on a stormy day. And I so Bear Lake, a lot of lakes get this way, but um, Bear Lake, um, it when it gets stormy, it looks like um the ocean like and the waves come up i was there once when it was really windy and i took some pictures of my daughter just playing out on the beach of the lake and i showed people um later and they're like where where, where did you go did you, were you in california for the weekend or like what happened because it looked like the ocean <laughs> at that time just because of how windy it was so i mean you can imagine um, like these big waves um, coming in and dark storm clouds and he sees something on the water um, coming towards him um, and, Ooh, and don't don't give don't do don't give too much away okay Matthew. okay this okay. is too good okay. we got to get people to watch this is so good you already got people hooked Okay. You got him sold and, on and, it. And he took I want to watch photos, it again. So <laughs> yeah, you can, you can, and there's you can there's check the out blurry photos. photos to prove it. Oh <laughs> my gosh, yeah, that's uh, that's a really great thing uh, that there's links to the story. Um, yeah, people got to check it out. This is so good. Um, so let's get into the uh, 
skeptical analysis of the Bear Lake monster, um, which there's plenty to go around. Um, it turns out that uh, Joseph Rich, one of the reporters who was putting this out in the Deseret News, later went and recanted the tale, said it was all a... a oh, here, I, I wrote it down. A wonderful first-class lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but the sightings continue, so... Yeah, yeah, the sightings continued, and that's that's something I think is really interesting. But, but yeah, no, he... Um, well, and it's interesting, too, the sightings continued in his day, too, in his day and time. People continued to say things. And, you know, maybe... I mean, you could argue... You know, maybe they were the people in, of his time were just their their eyes were playing tricks on them because of the lies that he told about this monster. But the people who never heard of the Bear Lake monster and then later said that they saw something, it's like you can't really give that same explanation with. But yeah, he Joseph C. Rich is actually the first one that officially documented the stories, and then like years later. Um, at the, near the end of his life, he came out and said, ah, I was just making it all up. There's no Bear Lake monster. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably the biggest evidence against the Bear Lake monster. Well, obviously, then, um, that answers the question. Problem solved. Why are we talking about this anymore, guys? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, it's all fake. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's something that, that um, I feel like um, that, that, um, Dr. Lynn McNeil um, goes over is that legends wouldn't survive if there wasn't debate about it. Um, and mm-hmm. the, the best legend, like, so you get like, like, le- like the giant squid, for example. And it's not really, I mean, people aren't really that amazed by it anymore. I mean, they are. I mean, it's, it's really cool, but we've got footage of it now. And so because we know that it's real, it's not as fun of a legend anymore. And vice versa, if you disprove something like definitively, like, yes, this does not exist, we know that, it's not fun anymore. So I feel like legends thrive on that debate back and forth. Is it real? Is it not real? Here's what the skeptics say. It's like X-Files. You have to have uh, Scully and um, Mulder, right? Was I got their names right? So... Yeah, you, yeah, you did yeah, get their names it. right. Um, <laughs> uh, also, one like the way it. that you mentioned that it 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 just made me think of something that I just thought in my head would be kind of funny. Um, now, my my lo- great love is Bigfoot, um, but I have to say, what would happen to the beef, Bigfoot researchers if? It was finally proven that he did exist. Like, what would they do at that point? They're they're gonna celebrate for like six months and then not know what to do with themselves. <laughs> they're just gonna be like, it would uh, put a whole industry out of business. It would put a whole <laughs> industry. industry out of business. <laughs> Sorry about that. Just uh, that no, thought that, came no, to mind. True. It was it like, <laughs> yeah. Um, y- yeah, but no, uh, Matthew's exactly right, and uh, there's part of this in the documentary about how tales of the Kraken uh, turned into the reality of the giant squid, um, and you see depictions of the Kraken and sea monsters as giant squids in a lot of folklore, except for Clash of the Titans. Like, you remember the Kraken from Clash of the Titans, Lee? Yeah, it looked like, it looked, do you know what it looked like? It looked like a Pokemon to me. Like, <laughs> it, or like a a really buff giant uh, 
creature from the Black Lagoon sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> oh, it, well, now, are you talking about the old one, the, the uh, was it Harryhausen one, or like the new one, the remake? I think I'm talking about the Harryhausen one. Wasn't it, didn't it look like a big rock with arms and legs? Like, am I, Or am I just thinking of the wrong thing? Well, I'm, well, I'm in the wrong universe, aren't I? The the old one, the old one's like stop motion, right? And okay. the new one's all like crazy CGI. Well, I remember this, um, the new one being all crazy CGI. Yeah. Now, Matthew, what was the uh, special effects budget in your documentary? <laughs> oh, just like, well, let's see. I paid an animator, and he's awesome. His name's Ron Jensen, and this was right up his alley because he loves this kind of stuff. And he, he did a, a, a animation um, of a monster creature. He kind of took some of a lot of the description, some of which are kind of um, contradictory. And he tried to put it together and then um, animate a creature together. Um, so uh, it, we, uh, I paid him a few hundred dollars to um, help us out, and that was that was. And then I did the rest for editing things together. So it was. It was a low budget, but we tried to put some stuff in it. So, I was truly no, was hoping. Really cool. I was truly hoping you were going to say something like uh, three <laughs> bottle caps and two peanuts. That's how much we had for this. <laughs> it came no, out great, though. It, it, it really it, did come out great. <laughs> I, the, the little animation of the monster, uh, you used it in the credits too, yeah. right? Uh, just for a little bit. I I stopped. I rewound it and watched it again. And I was like, oh, you know what? You know, when you're watching the documentary, you kind of get engrossed in it. But then when you get time to watch the credits, you're like, hey, that's actually pretty neat. Yeah. And, and yeah, and it was fun. And, and Ron did some uh, other uh, little animations for us, like some of the hand-drawn stuff. Um, uh, I could point out some of the segments that it's at, but he did a few other things. Not, not animated, like moving, but he did some drawings too for it. So it was fun. Oh, that's really cool. We've been we've been working on building up our art uh, art base for merch and all kinds of stuff. We are working on expanding out. So I love uh, artists. I love all the little stuff. Um, there was one little story I noticed in one of the signs uh, that's featured in the documentary that the monster had a name. Yeah, um, um, Isabella. Is yes. that right? So they did um, a vote in the community. I can't remember how many years ago, but they, they, um, I, and I think it was like mostly like kids voting. Um, but they asked um, to like submit names, and then they voted on the best name, and Isabella won. So it's so that's that's the official name, I guess, for the monster. Yeah. That that's okay, that's so. good um, because I've heard a story of like I think it was a um, an English boat that is now named something like Captain McFarter Pants or something like that because <laughs> they put an online boat. <laughs> no, 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 it was Bodie McBoatface. Oh, Bodie, Bodie McBoatface. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, come on, that's a classic. Um, you know, at least you're right. At least it did happen before the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but like, was was Barry just a little too on the nose? Yeah, I Barry the, the Barry Lake monster. Yeah, and Come I on. gotta here. I'm gonna. I, yeah, I don't know that, but I don't know. Maybe it was a little bit too on the nose there. I mean, because Nessie, Loch Ness, Barry, Bear, Bear Lake. Yeah, I, mean, I just. It sounds good to me, and uh, you could make it B A R R Y, and it 
I'd be kind of goofy and but I I mean I just like it. But you know what? I'm not an elementary school kid voting <laughs> on, a, on a you know maybe back in my day in the third or fourth grade I would have been like oh yeah Isabella yeah sure. <laughs> is it Barry maybe, is far to, too. I'm trying to think of famous figures named Isabel. I wonder like like if there's uh, any celebrity that the kids were like oh yeah that's. No, I don't think. Well, well, I mean Bella from Twilight. Maybe yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> Isabella, Queen of Spain. You guys don't remember Isabella McBoatface. Like, just... uh... <laughs> sorry. Oh, this yeah, is why yeah. I'm here. I just, uh, Matt, I am. I'm. I'm ruining your interview. I apologize. No, you, no. This is I haven't insult. I haven't insulted another state yet. So it, we're it... we're better than normal. <laughs> I, I'm having fun. This is good. No, no, this is good. Um, well, and the the cool thing about it is. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a little fun with it because it is a story that is kind of out there, right? But um, it needs to be talked about. The talking about it's what keeps it alive. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, and I, I think that you never, I, I don't know. It, you, I kind of go back and forth on how I feel about um, some legends. You know, my dad loves Bigfoot as well. Um, and, oh, he has, he has theories on, on Bigfoot. Uh, um, and I, I love hearing him talk about it and I go back and forth like, oh no, Bigfoot's, Bigfoot's, no, there's no Bigfoot. And then, oh yeah, yeah, maybe something could exist. And, but that's what makes it fun, right? So. Yeah. Well, Lee, do you want to tell him the interdimensional Bigfoot theory? And refresh any listeners who haven't heard it. I'm pretty sure Bigfoot is an interdimensional being. Um, that would explain a lot of things. Like, for example, you never sense. find Bigfoot skeletons. Like, he just... And I don't even think he does it on purpose. I think he may just accidentally shift between um, dimensions, not realizing it. Um, and his home dimension is where he spends most of his time. But occasionally he slips into ours. So it, that, that makes so much sense. I've never thought of that before. But there, that's that's got to be it. And that's actually and part of our logo. it's an explanation for... It's, uh, yeah, yeah. They, oh, Shifty. Yes, the Shifty interdimensional our... Bigfoot. Shout out to Shifty. <laughs> um, but um, that's actually... This interdimensional theory is an explanation for, like, aliens and all kinds of things. And who knows? Maybe even lake monsters, right? Yeah. Well, uh, you... Accidentally, you know, plesiosaurs accidentally shifting oh. through a rift in space-time. And, and that's how they end up in Loch Ness or well, Bear Lake or wherever. There actually well, are story. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Matt. Oh, I was just gonna say that makes sense too. Because I don't. Do you guys remember from the documentary the guy who wrote the children's book? And he like, there's this hole between Bear Lake and Loch Ness. So yes. So I don't know if you guys. I don't know if you were very familiar with the Bear Lake monster before this, but that's. That's one of the funnest stories that people like to tell about the Bear Lake monster is that the is that Bear Lake is like, you know, the seasonal home for the Loch Ness monster or something and that's what it really is. so, so <laughs> I the, must have, the the I interdimensional must been... theory that, may, that it's not really going through all the way through the earth it's just going through a different dimension to Loch Ness. Ah, uh, yes, a rift in space-time. Yes. Now, this... now there's another theory on that that they the people do talk about which is um the um time slips and other things like that. 
there there are stories out there of people like finding themselves in a different time and place uh, or sometimes in the same location but hundreds of years before um huh. during that time frame um there's another story of a, a late young lady that was hiking uh, up in California and uh, she show or she claims um, that she like somehow shifted to a time right after a wildfire and she found like a burnt down old uh, uh, burnt down like uh, what is it um cabin uh, like what uh, the ones that the fire lookout stations Um and she found that was all burnt down and, and dilapidated. And then um, then she walks back the way she came and she returns back to, to where she was. She tries to take people up to see it and it's gone. Everything's just wow. the cab. The the um, the watch station is brand new, been just re- rebuilt. And it turns out that like um, 10 or 15 years earlier, there was uh, a huge fire that swept through the whole area. So Wow. You know. It rem- it reminds me of like one of those old ghost stories where like someone stayed in a hotel and then like and and then they 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 try to go back the next day and then the hotel's got like you know like those, those yeah those kind of stories. like it's like mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and you know yep. everything is word of mouth there's no proof but at the same time it's like wow that's such a cool story and if you think yeah. of there being some overarching explanation. Uh, dimension shifting or time shifting or, or what have you um, th- that can kind of explain it. Time shifting still fits the Bigfoot aspect. If you think about um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gigantopithecus. He was in uh. North America around a uh, um, couple million years ago before humans were here. So interesting. Yeah. This is our this is our grand unified theory of the paranormal, <laughs> yeah. wow. interdimensional yeah. shifting or intertime shifting. Yeah, yeah. that um, that's really cool. And yeah, slightly more plausible than like the hollow Earth theory because that's been scientifically pretty well debunked. <laughs> um, but you know what but, hasn't been who knows, proven maybe yet? Maybe we should do a show on the hollow Earth. That'd be a good one. Uh, maybe, maybe, um, or the flat Earth. The flat Earth one is one that is, you know, that's still up in the oh, air yeah. for me. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm gonna take another drink of this. Right. Like... <laughs> oh my goodness! Wait, wow, yeah, we are completely the, the, off topic. <laughs> wait, if yeah. the Earth isn't flat, wait, is it? Is it square? I <laughs> could it be square? <laughs> like... Square. I I was always I've been pulling for a tetrahedron Earth, but. It doesn't look like that's going to come out, so whatever. <laughs> no, this has been awesome. I love talking about it. We love talking about the lore. Um, we love throwing out some of our uh, stuff. So anyways, let's see. Oh, lore. That was the subject, legends. Um, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, Matthew. There's a clip. Uh, from Dr. Lynn McNeil. We've been talking about legends. Let's kind of wrap it up with a more high-minded, philosophical conversation about the uh, nature of legends. Yeah. Uh, and I th- yeah, I think Dr. McNeil's clip is a, a great summary. Let's, let's go to that and check it out. Uh, 
there doesn't really need to be consensus for a legend to thrive. And in fact, the more disagreement there is about a legend, the better that legend does sometimes. Legends are a genre of folklore that rely on discussion, back and forth, disagreement, debate, consideration of what the possibilities are. And that's what makes legends so cool as a form of folklore is we get to try them out for ourselves. We get to have our own experiences with them and add to that body of lore. It's about this community of experiences and stories and ideas and beliefs and doubts and skeptics and hoaxes and all of that stuff coming together to form this really shared central point of identity. So, yeah, this is a great clip, uh, Matthew. Um, tell us a little bit about your thoughts about what Dr. McNeil said about the nature of legends. Yeah, so she, I, I, um, I totally agree with, you know, um, that idea that legends wouldn't survive if there wasn't that back and forth conversation. It's interesting, though, because... Um, there's so much more to folklore than just legends too. And, oh, I hope I kept it in. Um, but if you go to YouTube and um, see the play the playlist we have on the Bear Lake Monster, um, I put, um, I believe, her full-length interview that I did with her on YouTube so you can watch the whole thing and some more things that she said. Um, but... Um, folklore is everything from, you know, why you hold your breath when you drive past a cemetery, um, to why you knock on wood, um, when, um, you know, uh, you say something that, um, it could, uh, conjure up bad luck, um, uh, to even, um, just stories that people tell or memes that people share on the internet. But um, the interesting thing um, that Bear Lake has um, that, and I didn't um, come up with all of this myself. This was from talking with people in the folklore department at Utah State. They're the, you know, people who devote their lives to this, the study of folklore. But the interesting thing about Bear Lake that makes it special is that it's a place that you can actually go to um, and have an experience yourself whether it's real or imagined, or it's just standing on the shore and thinking of the Bear Lake monster, there's an actual place. And like haunted houses do that. Um, the, uh, uh, um, cemeteries, um, you can go and have an experience somewhere and it's tied to a physical location. And not all folklore is like that. Not all folklore has a physical location you can go to. But I think that's also what helps... Uh, the Bear Lake monster legend thrive. Well, one sure. thing about awesome. about those local legends and things like that is how the towns capitalize on that um, legend, and it brings it definitely brings commerce to the town that wouldn't be there otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Oh and yeah, it's... we did a whole thing on uh, the Bell Witch in Adams, Tennessee. That's really great story. Um. What's that? What's the town with the Mothman Festival, Lee? Uh, oh, Point West Pleasant, Virginia. West Virginia. Yes, yes. Then Great there's stuff. the Hopkinsville Little Green Men's Festival. Um, yes. <laughs> 
Let's hear from some of our friends at Fourth Hand. Elijah, are you ready to bring on the weird? Yes, Will I am. Are you ready to bring on the weird? Did you did you just make a Will I am joke? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> nice. I'll allow it. Anyway, we're just a couple of harmless guys digging into weird things we don't know much about. We're just trying to figure out what the hell is happening in the world outside our homes. Do we get things wrong? Without a doubt. Are we learning from those mistakes? Not anytime soon. Are you entertained by the crap we're talking about? Of course. That's why I always listen to the show. You listen? Alright, what, what do you like to listen to about the show? I like aliens, conspiracies, cryptids, NWO, shadow government, you name it. What? Oh, hold on. Do the aliens come from inside the Earth instead of interstellar travel? What made the conspiracy start? Why did that cryptid evolve to do the things it does? Who runs this NWO? Listen in as we dive into all manners of subjects as we bring on the weird. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. You can listen to clips of our episodes on our YouTube channel. Listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser.com. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. That's all right. That's all right. Um, no, this I I love what you were saying, Matthew, because this is something that I picked up on and I took notes on. Uh, what's so great about legends is that by retelling them, we can participate. But then by going to these locations, we can like immerse ourselves and participate. Yeah, uh, and like become part of it. Um, maybe you'll see something. Probably not, but, um, you know, you get to go to a place, uh, that has a unique geography, um, beautiful lake, excellent water sports and activities. If you really want to search for the monster, you can get on, you know, some scuba gear and go dive down there. (laughs) All kinds of opportunities. And just like you can go to Adams and take in the Bell Witch play. Just like you can go to the Mothman Festival. Just like you can go to Kentucky. Just like you can go to H.H. Uh, H. Holmes' house if you're into like true crimes and murders. Like, all kinds of stuff. Um, and that that immersion, that participation, that actually really builds on the legend. Yeah. I, I, um, and I think, too, um, uh one thing that's cool about folklore and legends is that it it kind of provides a way for time to test stories to see if they stick um and i feel like um not like you can you can come up with like the best story the best idea the best book you know the best movie but you know audiences will decide if it if it um sticks or not whether or not you put your heart into it and your soul into it and folklore just kind of naturally evolves and becomes that time-tested story that people like, too. Oh, yeah, and stuff you'll do without even realizing it, like, you know, throwing salt over your shoulder when you spill. Yeah. Um, the story just becomes ingrained in your life, um, which is really awesome. And, I mean, we talked about Clash of the Titans. They're still having blockbuster films made about... You know, Perseus and the Kraken and Medusa. Um, 
And hopefully the Bear Lake Monster is one of those stories <laughs> that stands the test of time. Yeah. Um, especially in these rural communities, you know, they need uh, that that extra little kick. So, um, wow, Matthew, thank you for coming on. Um, is there anything that you want to uh, shout out, direct our listeners to, um, or just uh, remind them of where they can check out the documentary? Um, yeah, so I'm searching on YouTube for uh, the Bear Lake Monster. Um, it's one of the first things that um, comes up, at least in my search results. But if not, you can search for In Search of the Bear Lake Monster, and it should come up. And on Amazon Prime, too, the same title, In Search of the Bear Lake Monster. Um, but uh, I think I just want to give a shout-out to all the people who helped make this possible, because I really I couldn't have done it without the business partners um, that we had, uh, the people who donated money to the crowdfunding campaign, um, and I have to give a shout out to my wife for supporting me through this crazy project and a lot of, um, crazy days editing hours of footage, um, together. Um, so my wife's Melissa, she's awesome. And everybody else that helped us out, Lucas and, um, Ron and, um, uh, 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 everybody else, Jameson. Um, um, so thanks to everyone who made it possible. No, very awesome. And um, Lee, we'll have to uh, hook up uh, your sponsors in the show notes so people can see who helped you out um, and give some links to uh, the documentary on YouTube and that sort of stuff so everyone who visits us can go see uh, who made this possible, Matt? This has oh. really been an awesome top. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. And what we can try to do is um, add a add that to our website as well so there's even more information about it. So there's links and stuff that you can go through. So it won't just be in the show notes, but hopefully it'll be specialed on the website. So Cool. Yeah. And feel, feel Beyondterrestrial.com. Yeah, and oh, feel free ahead, to Matthew. take any, any of the links, um, any of the links that I've linked to, link to them if you want to. So, okay. Oh yeah, um, I, I definitely want to check out that full interview with Dr. McNeil because uh, the parts I saw were awesome. So I'll actually have to delve through your playlist there and check out the whole thing. Um, guys, we've been talking with Matthew Havertz, documentary filmmaker. It's in search of the Bear Lake monster. Check it out on YouTube. Amazon Prime Video. Um, thanks for coming on, and we'll hopefully talk to you later. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to Beyond Terrestrial Podcast. You can check us out on Apple Pod, Google Play, and other major podcast platforms. And if you want to keep up with the show goings on, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Beyond T Pod. That's Beyond the Letter T Pod. And as always, you can get all of that information as well as show notes and episodes as they come out on BeyondTerrestrial.com. That's right, we got the .com. And if you want to help out the show, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. 
or a like and a review wherever you listen to Beyond Terrestrial. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.